Welcome to episode number 52 of Circles Off. I'm Rob Pizzola, joined by Johnny from Betstamp, rocking his, what is that, a Euro football cha- Is that from this year? Euro 2020. Yeah. It was from last year, but it was called Euro 2020. Right, because they had to delay it because of COVID. It's a pretty nice shirt. It's an Italy championship shirt. This is the in first celebration of, of them not making the World Cup. This is the first time I'm wearing Betstamp gear and you're not. Actually, you're wearing the hat. Yeah, you got to rock the hat. I was uh, I was wearing a collared shirt on the drive-in this morning. Took a sip of, my, sip of my coffee. Lid wasn't on properly. Disaster. And did, did it get in the car seats? No, just over. The, it, it was so much coffee that spilled out. It went through the sweater I was wearing onto the shirt that was underneath it. So it went straight for our bet stamp swag upstairs grabbed a uh, straight shirt off of the box wrinkled unfolded and wrinkled unfolded and and our mo like it's a medium as well which is like the most commonly requested size on top of things to make it even worse you just stole a shirt from a from a fan that wanted it (laughs) all right today we have a special episode for everybody no guest once again it's just rob and i here today we will have, um, you know, a lot of questions that were sent in. We're going to get the answers to those. And then we do have a couple of tweets that trigger us. The segment that keeps on giving. We got a, a bunch more, some that I submitted, some that Rob submitted that we'll be seeing for the very first time here. You want to kick it off? Yeah, I actually thought, I actually never talked to you about this. I thought I did, but I never talked to you about th- I was thinking that we could eventually do like a, a positive tweet segment of like you know tweets that we agree with or something like that and then as i was going through them i'm like no why i'm like it's just way better to find ones that make me upset it's it's better for the entertainment purposes you know what i'm saying i know we just have to have we got to do like a tweets that trigger us and then um end up like finding you know i just don't like picking on the actual people that's the only thing agreed i try i try not to as well i mean it's it's hard sometimes we're all we all make mistakes but yeah. uh, we will get to it. I think we actually have more tweets than normal today. Yeah, we got a bunch of questions. We'll kick it off. We'll get right into it. So uh, we're starting off the first question. How often do you guys cash out of wagers that move against you and become negative EV? Especially if the cash out is lower than the original stake, since that tiny loss of money each time can add up. So just to clarify, what this person is asking is, how often are you cashing out when the cash out amount... Um, changes in a negative way so you might have bet for a thousand and now your cash out's only maybe 920 and the line has moved against you so i'll let rob take that one first uh i've never used a cash out feature in my entire life because they're negative expected value every time much rather just let the original bet ride because so there's two ways to cash out a bet right obviously you have the sports books that will allow you to literally press a button to cash out they will put money back in your account or some people will prefer to just buy back on the opposite side um, and some sports books don't offer a cash out feature so either of those ways works i personally just ride my bets negative expected value or not um, i learned a bad i learned a lesson about this many many years ago where i bought out of a hockey wager because of a goalie change so initially you bet a hockey game in the morning, then backup goalie starts for the team you bet on. You're like, I didn't want to make this bet with the backup goalie. I'm going to buy out. I bought out of it. Two players on the other team in the afternoon were announced out. The line moved back in my favor. And I said, I'm never doing this again. And I haven't. Um, so for me personally, I'm just much more inclined to let that original position ride because 
more often than not, you're either going to use the cash out feature, which is uh, working in the sportsbook's favor, or you're going to pay VEG again to buy out of your original position, which is um, increasing your negative expected value. Yeah, there's never an excuse to place a second bad bet just because you placed a first bad bet to buy out of that. Um, but I will say in terms of the cash out function, I have used it a bunch. Uh, there are scenarios in which a cash out is actually uh, beneficial. So like anything within sports betting, the cash out is just a mathematical formula. So if you can't, so here's, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, let's say I bet on the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and they're plus 140. And then the line now moves and I can get the Chiefs at plus 165 at a specific sports book. Um, you know, I may be able to cash out of my Chiefs wager um, for minus 155. So still 10 cents worse than my initial bet. However, I can now cash out at 55, play it back at 65 or whatever I said earlier. So, um, there are scenarios in which you can cash out and basically make money. When you hit that cash out button, what you are doing, if it's a straight wager is you are betting on the opposite outcome of what you bet and the payout is there and your risk amount is what you, what you would have stood to make on the original wager. So it just takes a little bit of math. Might have to put it into an Excel sheet. But uh, you can definitely find ways in which you could cash out if it's negative. Uh, either A, to cash out at an arbable number versus market, or B, to play it back at a better number to give you a more favorable price. So it's possible to do it and to take advantage of it in a good way. But as Rob mentioned, 99% of the time, the cash out is kind of for dummies where they're just like taking an extra vig, and you'd probably be better off just betting the other side at the best available price. Agreed. I mean, there's been times where I switched my position on a game that happens where you bet something in the morning and then something happens over the course of the day where it's working to the extreme disadvantage of your bet from the morning. And now you actually show positive expected value on the other side and you end up with a bigger play on the other side. I've done that before. Um, I shouldn't say that I've never done this stuff before, but in recent years, I can't remember a time where I've I've used cash out. Fair enough. Okay. On to the next question here. When tracking bets, what criteria do you track? Does unit size, dollar amount change in different sports? For example, would a one-unit bet in NHL be different than a one-unit bet on a golf head-to-head matchup? I hate the notion of using units for the most part because at the end of the day, it's all about your bankroll overall, right? So think think just in terms of dollars. I mean, that's what we're betting in terms of. We're betting in terms of dollars, right? If you're able to put $1,000 on an NFL game, but only 100 on a golf matchup, then your, you know, your unit by nature is going to be larger on the NFL game, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I never think of things in terms of units. It's just not the way I'm personally built because I also don't even care about the units at the end of the year. I mostly care about the ROI, right? How much volume I can get down, what my total monetary value is at the end of the season. So, um, I don't know, it's a weird question to answer because yes, I bet more sport, more on sports than others, Um, but I don't track it as like, this is my unit size for NFL. This is my unit size for NHL. This is my unit size for PGA. It's more so this is just like dollars and cents. Yeah. To be clear, as Rob mentioned, you know, units is, is a thing of the past. I would never recommend anyone use units or even learn how to calculate it or do anything with that. There's really only one metric that's important when calculating your profit in betting. And that's ROI return on investment. It is your net profit or loss. Uh, divided by your total handle, which is the total amount that you've bet across all the different bets. That is literally the only metric that matters. CLV is an indicator of future success. Uh, However, when you're evaluating how you're doing on a betting basis, you only should ever care about your ROI. It doesn't matter what your 
um, obviously your your profit is the is the one that's going to put money in your bank and stuff like that. But the ROI is actually the indicator of the best indicator of profit, not units, right? Yep. So we we don't care about units. Uh, but with that being said, he also asks here, like, would a one unit bet in NHL be different than like golf? Um, I would say like it's going to depend on how big you're you're betting that sport or what you can get down in that sport for certain levels. So. Yeah, I, I don't even know what the right answer for this question right. is because I don't I don't even know what a u, what a unit is. Right. So like, well, we we know what it is, but, but yes, like, most people do bet different amounts for different sports. Like you know, for, you, for you'd seldom find a guy who bets the same amount on every single sport, whether that be by choice or by being capped out by the market. Like we can explain how we calculate it on Betstamp, right? Because we do show average units for every single or the units um, profit or loss in units format. Uh, on Betstamp, and it's just basically we divide by your average price, right? Yeah, your unit on Betstamp is just your your total handle over your average bet size to get your total your number of like your units, right? But really, that's just a uh, another way of calculating the ROI in a way that might be simpler for people to understand. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else like what else to say other than I've never tracked in terms of units. It's always been monetary value. Um, publicly speaking, I don't like to tell people exactly what I bet. So if I do post publicly, um, I will use like a unit value, which is sim- a simple uh, division. Uh, like, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I'll express things in terms of units, but it's just dividing by my standard bet size. So up next, um, this one is in regards to Calcutta betting, which, uh, you know, our friends, our good friends over at Bet the Process have launched a couple different Calcuttas. So this question is from also from our, our, uh, our good friend Broner. Pound for pound. How does one judge if they have an advantage in a high stakes Calcutta against other sharp players, especially since person A may not have an edge betting a given sport, but may be using sharp projections for from somebody else for that sport? Very tough. I've participated in a bunch of these. The reality is that at the end of the Calcutta, everybody thinks that they've done well. If you don't, then you're in trouble. Yes, because everybody's using some set of numbers that they think is probably better than the sets of numbers that everyone else is using. So they're going to bid based off of that. And at the end of it, you're going to have EV. The reality is there is no way to know. Like people are not participating in these things because they expect to lose. They expect to win. Some are looking for a gamble overall. Um, But at the end of the day, it's really going to come down to the projections that you're using. And the reality is a lot of the people that are participating in these are basing it off of market numbers as well. So everyone ends up with similar numbers. So uh, it's very hard to gauge because, you know, at the end of the day, obviously the bidding matters and the way the Calcutta unfolds matters. However, when you put a group of sharp people together, most people really understand the bidding strategy. So it all comes down to who has the better projections in the long run, not for one single yeah. event. Yeah. I, what I would say is like, there's no vig or anything being added. So you're, if you are gambling with friends in any capacity and there's no vig or rake or anything being taken in the pot, then for the most part, even if there is sharper players, you're not getting taken advantage of as much. If it's a group of sharp players just pitting together most of the time, it's literally just coin flipping. And and if you're tuning into the BTP Calcuttas, you're just watching a bunch of guys coin flip and enjoy it. A nice sweat. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think there's probably people in there that have a small edge over everyone else. For some sports, maybe, but like for the main for the main sports where like the markets are quite big, like they're talking about doing like an NBA playoff one, like 
your your projection like the it is high stakes for sure so there's money to be won in there you know you're not going to go destroy like a $500 futures market to tell people the info but it's going to be very like a small a small edge yeah so like here's a I'll give an example right like uh, I participated in the NFL one so did you um which was you know got to a pretty large pot um for that but we did that auction midweek and by end of week spreads change over the course of a given NFL week. So your EV at the time of the draft or at the end of the draft um, would look very different on Saturday and Sunday when there was actual games being played. Um, and some people did a be- much better job of calculating where those lines were going to go. Um, so there, there is a, like an edge to be had. It's not crazy um, or anything, but you're, for the most part, you're right. Like it's pretty easy to derive some somewhat close to true numbers, um, especially like if you're doing an auction the day before the Masters, the night before the Masters starts, like the market is kind of spoken already. Yeah. And by nature, like at Calcutta, you're either going to like lose a lot of money or win a lot of money. There's really no, like it's, it's tough to basically break even, you know, your likely scenario is not that you break even it's that you win or lose given the nature, especially for some of these golf outright ones that they're doing. So even within having an edge, like it would take much more than a, like four or five Calcuttas for you to actually realize that in, in true form, because you're just like, if, if your guy, for example, happens to hit outright, you're winning money, despite the fact that, you know, Scheffler, Scotty Scheffler may not have actually been a good value pick. I don't know. I didn't follow the numbers on that one, but right. it is what it is. Okay. Up next, um, another a DM question to Rob here. Hello, sir. I'm a Circlesoft listener from Italy. Is this our friend from Italy? No, it's a different guy. Different guy. I mean, we need to start getting some affiliate uh, sportsbook partnerships in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> B-Win. Why'd you hit the you hit, that you hit the wrong button for sure. He was looking for the you mad bro button. <laughs> okay, try it again. Try it again. <laughs> You mad, bro. There you go. That's our real friend from Italy. Okay, so hello, hello, sir. I'm a Circlesoft listener from Italy. First off, I want to congratulate you for all the great info. Really appreciate it. Uh, you just listened to episode 42 about bankroll management. Some weeks ago, I've started, a, I've started steam chasing to build a modest bankroll betting only NBA player props. Good for you. Very nice. Mm-hmm. What type of betting system do you think could be the best for my situation? I don't have any model, and for now, I'm betting between one and five units. Um, you know, his unit size is fixed at 3% of his bankroll. Got it. So I I think this one's an easy to easy one. Regards from Italy at the end. Yes. So it depends on how much you regards from Italy. Did he actually put, no, (laughs) I would have laughed if he did. Um, it depends on how much you're able to get down on the props first and foremost, because if you are like starting to use some sort of Kelly fraction or like confidence level staking, uh, and it's causing like you end up betting a very, very small portion of your bankroll because you're doing that, then you're leaving money on the table. Like you might get to a point where you should just be max betting every single prop. Max them, brother. Yeah. So that like if you're in the position to do that and you've grown your bankroll large enough, then you may, maybe you just should be maxing everything. Now, if you're steam chasing um, props, you're probably, you know, looking at some other site, um, which you're using as like the market leader in that prop. Um, so it's very easy for you to calculate your Kelly if you want to do that. Now, if you may mean the injuries. Yeah. So now in that case, you can't really calculate your Kelly in real time. Um, so you're basically going to use some sort of confidence level staking where if it's a big move, you're going to bet more. Yeah. What I would say is like, go look at the, um, go look at what the max bet is that you can get down total in, in summation of everything. And then 
from there, try to work it back and factor in that you may need to be a little bit more aggressive on these, given that a, the NBA season's almost done, you know, playoffs are kicking off, um, and, or, or tipping off. And then on top of that, um, you're really looking at like, you will be tapped out by the market at some point if you do continue to win and grow your bankroll. So you may want to, you may need to juice this one a little bit earlier versus later. So that's, that's my only advice I'd give. Um, but for the most part, I think the 3% of bankroll as a one unit stake is, is, is st pretty standard. Like that's fine. You know, you could, it could be three you could potentially bring that up to five for props if the edge is bigger, but that's a uh, very sound management and I'm glad you're enjoying the show and getting a, a lot out of the programming and say hi to uh, our fellow Italianos, our Francesco, paisanos, Francesco you know, Greco. Uh, I will say like for people who don't understand what I mean about max betting everything, I'm not trying to encourage like problem gaming or anything, but I'll just throw out an example. If you're, if your bankroll is a hundred thousand dollars and you can only get $200 down on a prop and you're betting a dozen props a day, there's no point in you betting 200 on your biggest edges and 100 on as like an average play. You might as well just be betting 200 on everything. So you have to scale according to what you're able to get down and what your bankroll is. Up next, a couple sports-specific tweets here. How will you or why won't you approach the USFL and why do you think there aren't many lines yet? So I'll, I'll leave this one to Rob because I'm not really too familiar with that league. Why, okay, let's start with why I don't think there's any lines yet. I think the vast majority of books are just waiting for someone else to post. They didn't Fox bet post? And then it was Fo like Did you see wrong. the Fox bet money? They, they, they <laughs> the, the money lines that they uh, posted did not even come close to matching the spreads. No, it wasn't even close. Yeah, the spread was like minus one and a half. It was like it was, like it was a hockey spread or a baseball I don't know spread. what they were doing, but it was definitely wrong. Um, I think the uncertainty is why books are not posting. Because it's a new league. They don't really know what to expect. Um, in fact, like when we've seen other leagues post early, like the XFL when it first started, you'd see totals move by like 10 points because sportsbooks had no idea what they were doing. So um, I think that's part of it. I think general lack of interest, frankly. I'm a football fan. I'm not saying that like, you know, I'm, I'm mostly an NFL fan, but um like my friends who are football fans, no one's mentioned the USFL. It's, we get a new one of these every year. Yeah, like, yeah, so I think that's part of it. It's, the it's XFL, like XFL, the Alliance, whatever. This is just gonna be a new one every, every couple of years. And from a from a sportsbook point of view, like the only people that are going to be betting it this early are people who probably have an edge. So I think there's a lot of reasons you're not seeing lines right now. Uh, I do eventually ex expect that all sportsbooks will have lines on the USFL with lower limits um, so that they're not overexposed. Uh, if the league takes off, you'll start to see limits increase and people pay more attention on it. But it's like, why would I put a trading team together now to, or even one trader who could be focused on something else to post USFL lines uh, just to let sharp people bet into them right now? doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, up next. Why do the Capitals, Washington Capitals, score at such a high percentage of their shots on goal? Do you hold this against them as something unsustainable? So we're into the sports-specific questions now, and we'll go through four or five. This one's from Dinky. Um, so a hockey question that I think he's asking me specifically. Um, it's challenging with hockey. I think particularly in any sport, I'll draw this to any sport, but when you start to see an anomaly, like one team who you constantly see um, is benefiting in the quote unquote luck metrics, like every sport has some sort of luck metric, 
Um, in hockey, people will say, oh, this team's shooting percentage is unsustainable. And then they shoot at that percentage over the course of the rest of the year and future years and things like that. Um, this happens in baseball all the time. Oh, this team's Pythagorean runs, they outperformed it by 10 years, uh, by 10 runs. Uh, you look at the Green Bay Packers every year. Oh, they, you know, they're outperforming their, uh, based off of their point differential, they should have won three less games. Well, every single year with Aaron Rodgers, they should have won three less games. But hey, maybe there's something hidden there uh, in that they have an ability to pull out close games. So I would look at, you know, past years. Uh, for the Washington Capitals, they typically have a lot of shooters that uh, shoot above league average and have historically been good shooters. Um, so that's one. The second thing I will say is that we're looking at what's publicly available data to us. The teams, especially NHL teams, are working with much more sophisticated data. Um, the data that we're looking at publicly has all sorts of flaws. Like it's that's that's just the case with data in any sport. As time goes on, you get more sophisticated metrics. So people take it, um, you know, I, I don't want to say like with a, you know, you should take it with a grain of salt is what I'm getting at because, um, you know, I, I love when like trades happen in sports and people are like, oh, what the hell is this team doing? What could they possibly see? Well, it's like they are looking at so much more data than you actually have access to. Um, so that's just like, I guess, more widespread uh, commentary not specific to the Washington Capitals, but I would, my starting point would be, has this been consistent in previous years? If so, it's less likely a fad and it's more likely a trend that will continue. Fair enough. I think that's a good answer. Moving on. F1 question here. A lot of lines for F1 betting, very soft. Oh yeah. Very different between books and many books seem not fully, uh, you know, taken into account where the drivers are on the starting grid. How long do you think this sort of edge will last? Not that long if we talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> also, when are we getting F1 odds added to Betstam? So we'll take that second question first. We don't. We are planning to add every single sport. In the short term, we're launching a couple real cool things in regards to, uh, you know, odds comparison for more markets. So um, more markets within the main sports as opposed to more sports single market. So we're probably going to leave off F1 for this season. You can always track them as a custom bet in the My Picks tab. Hit that blue plus button at the bottom right-hand corner. Track a custom. For next season, my personal guarantee on this podcast, we will have F1 lines up for next season. Um, but for this season, unfortunately, it's going to be a pass. In terms of the edges on F1, like just off the rip, I'll say like the, despite the fact that odds may be all over the place, if you do go actually shop around, you're not going to get more than a couple hundred dollars down. So for that reason, I do think it's a little bit more sustainable um, versus not. But for the most part, um, you know, lines typically sharpen up mid-season anyway. So you had a first couple races. Books are going to see if they are taking a bath on F1, they are going to take a look at it and then make sure that it's cleaned up for the next 17 or something races. I had mentioned when we did the F1 uh, pod, what, like three weeks ago, that there was a couple books that were keeping their lines up through practice and qualifying. That already no longer happens. So uh, like already the edge is slightly going downhill, but... I agree with Johnny. It's not a major market, right? Um, so there's not a lot of like professionals that are really going to pay attention to Formula One uh, in order to get like a thousand bucks down over a, a weekend. Or I mean, it could be more than that or whatever. But uh, typically speaking, I'd say this would last longer than if it was a, an edge in a major sport. Um, and on the bet stamp one as a question as well, I'll just make a comment on that. Uh, obviously, we get tons of requests 
to add this sport, to add this feature. We have to prioritize them as best as possible. I love Formula One. Johnny loves Formula One. Our office loves Formula One. We'd love to get Formula One in the app. But the reality is there's way more people that are betting NBA props than are betting Formula One. So us adding secondary markets for um, secondary market comparison tools for other major sports is just way more bang for the buck for everyone. Uh, but at some point we will get, I don't I mean, we're not going to get every sport in. Like we're not going to have snooker on. I mean, no, maybe one will. day we will. I mean, you're a big chess better. So maybe one day we will have, have every, we will have every chess sport. in there, but we will. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just like, I, I, I mean, I feel bad for people who are looking for F1, but in due time, when you want to find out where the best price is for Austin Matthews to score a goal, First off, you bet it everywhere you can. Second off, you got to be able to just go to one tool and figure that out. So that's something we're we're really working on and hope, hoping to roll out soon. Well, we know we like we know the time it takes on a daily basis to find Austin, Austin Matthews' best price because our entire office is looking at it at the same time. So it's not any time. It's not any time. It's every time. Okay, <laughs> Ontario specific. Is it possible to make money simply opening up? five or six sports books and betting into Betstamp's best available price when the sports book is listed there. All right. First off, yes, absolutely. Second off, if you're just betting the best available price, that doesn't mean it's a good bet. It means it's the best available bet for that for that option. However, in some cases, you can actually like look at the hold percentage and say, okay, best available is minus 106, but if you want to play the other side, maybe you can only get plus 100. There's still a six cent window there in which you are kind of losing a little bit of VIG, even versus the best available. That's not even factory in kind of what books are sharp, which ones are square and stuff like that. So just betting the best available, it's not going to make you money in the long term. Picking off really good numbers on the best available, you know, where, where all the other sites or some main sites are on the other end will make you money. However, in Ontario right now with the bonuses being offered, um, which are, are quite hefty, you can certainly make money just by betting the best available, including if that was not, you know, a true plus EV bet, because when you factor in the bonus and then just hitting that rollover, uh, you're good. You know, I know tons of people already who, you know, are up well, well above five figures since Ontario regulated just from uh, taking advantage of some bonuses, hitting some hitting some lines um and having a ton of fun i should just point out as well this is not an ontario specific answer either i know the question was anywhere anywhere in a regular yeah it was an ontario specific question but literally any any market really where you have access to multiple sports books and you can shop prices um and get bonuses for deposits you should have no problem making money yeah and i think another thing to add is like we have a lot of markets here in ontario but if you just have five sports books you can still make some money right so it's not you know, you don't need to have 20 sports books to make money. If you have 20, then you can make, you know, 4x the, the money as five. But it is what it is. Good stuff here. It, it was, it's been a really good first week. And I, I think a lot of people are maybe sad with a lot of the sign-up flaws and some stuff there. However, in terms of being able to take advantage, advantage of, uh, of some nice prices and some more options and some more books, you know, Ontario is now the, the spot. When you combine the gray area with the the regulated market now in the gray market, like Ontario's the spot for sports betting. You will not find a better spot. And we know that there's like a dozen more operators coming to the regulated spot and uh, regulated market in the next couple months as well, which is oh, huge. Oh yeah, big time. Yep. Right on cue. What has been your favorite sports book in Ontario thus far through launch week? Me? Bet Rivers to start. 
Now, listen, I posted this yesterday. Everyone has their own experiences with sports books based off the location they play, the style of better that they are. The sports book that caters to me is not going to be the same sports book that you're going to find the best or so on and so forth. Just from here's what I advocate for good user experience. I come from a product background. I worked at the score as a pro, for a product manager for several years. I feel strongly about providing a good experience to the users. And to me, yes, Bet Rivers, just like many other regulated books, are going to limit some winning betters. That's going to happen. That we, we know that's the nature of the industry right now. With that said, sign-up flow is easy. Um, website has a lot of options. Everything, like roll the bonus... I can't promote the rollover. It was very low. Let's put it that way, right? Uh, which is great for for bonus hunters and people who are looking to get the money into their accounts quickly. Relative to some other competitors in market who are offering no props, no live betting, uh, no mobile app, no desktop site, can't even sign up, takes five days for you to get approved for uh, sign up, stuff like that. Rivers to me, I think hit the the nail on the head with the rollout in Ontario. Personally, I'm sure down the road, I'll probably not be able to bet there or have smaller limits. Um, but from a pure user experience standpoint, I think that they hit the mark in terms of their rollout in Ontario. I think Rivers uh, is one of the best right now. Of the books that, you know, like the, the only one that I kind of like the most right now off the rip is just MGM because they, they're... They're not like asking you to verify your whole account up front, which I think is a good thing. As soon as you have to start uploading documents right away, it's like a negative user experience. Personally, I don't mind doing it. Um, but like, it's just for the average better who's trying to swap over. Um, it's, it really is tough. Like, you know, you, you're like, oh yeah, I got to sign up for a new book right off the rip. They're asking you like fill out basically this whole questionnaire, your job, annual income, uh, yeah. upload all these documents ends up becoming like, ah, what's the point? Like, you know what I mean? First experience with a a website or an app is so crucial in the long run for uh, retention. Obviously, Uh, a lot of people will just give up in the, you know, the sign up flow or the deposit flow and they'll just be lost forever. Uh, I agree. MGM was pretty positive experience. Uh, But yeah, that's for, for me overall, like that that's just based off my experiences of testing out a bunch of different books this week. I'm not betting exclusively into one book. I've probably placed, um, you know, some books I can't, you know, I haven't even placed a bet yet at them specifically. So I, you know, I'm, I'm not giving you the full picture, but I thought the rollout for rivers in terms of the way they marketed leading up to uh, regulation day in Ontario, the fact that they had no site downtime on that first day, easy sign up, easy to get your money in, uh, easy to roll over the bonus, lots of betting options. I think I think that's exactly what a, a most users would be looking for. Yeah, I agree. And for anyone who's still like, like Bet365 is already in Canada, but just without a doubt, that is the best sports book. Bet365 in terms of like their layout of the site is amazing. On top of that, what I particularly love about 365 is the personalization component in the sense that like, I don't bet live Swedish soccer. So if I go to their website at two o'clock in the afternoon, they're not going to serve me up live Swedish soccer like a bunch of other sites would because that's the only live event going on. They're going to serve me up some hockey bets or some football during football season because they know that's what I'm most likely to bet. So it's very easy. Um, You know, it's just a good experience overall. First day, they did have some struggles, but um, I've played with Bet365 for many years. 
And um, I, I like I like the sports book. Solid product. Yep. All right, up next, Barstool Sportsbook, DraftKings, and FanDuel, among others, have basically built a system where they get their content team to pump out picks with no information on why they're good picks, and people keep betting on them. Is this something that will be a trend, and how will this evolve? I think it's going to be a trend. What's going to What's going to stop this? Um, unless like a regulatory body steps in and starts saying like, no, you can no longer do this. If you're working for a sports book, you can no longer give out picks. If you're affiliated with a sports book, I don't see that happening. Um, I mean, literally what's going to stop this? I, I, I just, I don't mind it here. Let me, let me just, uh, preface this by saying, I don't, obviously sports books are trying to drum up interest around sports betting. They're paying influencers, they're paying content writers, whatever, to give out picks because it's going to drum up interest. I just wish we could get to a point where people transparently track all the public plays that they give out. That's it. I mean, so many people are scared to have like a losing record out there, but it doesn't matter. Like as long as I, as a consumer can quickly, easily say this person has this record or like as long as that's information available to me that I can go sort through, then I have no issue with it. It's when people lie about their records or they delete tweets or they start counting, you know, leans as winning plays and so on and so forth that it's just, it's completely misleading the public. So I don't like when, you know, an average Joe who doesn't know any better can be completely misled. I think so. I mean, it's, it's so tough because like, it's just marketing. You know what I mean? Like there's, they're not doing anything different than like a car company selling you the Ford motor trends truck of the year right. where with that magazine that's probably owned by Ford and like they get a hundred awards. It's like, it's no, it's not really different than that. I think I've talked about it before, but just like, I've no, I've no, like, obviously if you're scamming people, that's tough. But like, I, I really do like I'm involved in the space now. And like, you know, I, I check Twitter and stuff all the time, Instagram and like, if there's people who are just paid by the sports books to give out picks, they're under so much scrutiny at this point right now that like they're just doing themselves and the sports book a disservice by like complaining all the time, be like, oh, don't criticize. This is free, all this stuff. But at the same time, if they do go on a heater, they take such credit and then they like, you know, goes off for the book. So I don't really know how I exactly how I feel about it. Like, I think it's definitely a trend that's going to continue to happen, whether or not it's like, good for the space or bad like you know they're still they're still giving people out information that you know they're they're using to maybe have some more fun betting whether that's going to win the money or not is it's probably not but you know what i mean like if you're having fun then it's just like spending money that's it i, I agree and i disagree with like the stuff that really bothers me in the space the most of everything obviously i'm bothered by a lot of these things for people who've listened for a long time they would know this this is coming from someone who used to sell picks myself as well um, but the thing that bothers me the most in the space is, is like, oh, he's putting out free picks on a daily basis. Who are you to criticize? Okay. Well, I mean, I can tell somebody that I can fix their car and they can bring it to me and then the car doesn't get fixed. And I'd be like, well, it was free. Like here's your, your, your car back. And like, it's, it's not, I, I mean, it's not apples to apples. I get it. But the reality of the, the fact that be, just because it's free doesn't, you know, automatically make it like morally right. You know what I'm saying? No, you're, you're right. hundred percent. It doesn't make it morally right. If something you, you still got, Rob said it best, actually, you still got to be held accountable to the picks you're giving out and to the re and like to keep a record for yourself. But like to actually say, 
oh, are, is anyone going to outlaw this in the future? Like, this is never going to happen. Like, you know, you're just going to, it's, it, this exists in every single industry, whether it be a fitness influencer trying to sell you on some diet program or some weight, some abs, 60 day abs program, uh, which I'm in desperate need of. And if anyone knows a guy, but also I think just in general, like it exists in every single industry, whether it be like fitness, nutrition, you know, it might be food, it might be the education industry, it might be like people like, oh yeah, I can manage social media. This is like all the stuff I do. And like, you know, nothing comes of it. So there's, there's going to be posers and people who do stuff in every industry like this. You just got to accept that it happens. And you know, if you, I guess if you just ignore it, yeah, it'll go away. We, we listen, we won't spend too much more time on it. The only, the, the thing for me is that the repercussions of the sports betting side of things like problem gaming are not the same as like the repercussions of somebody buying some workout package that's a scam. You know what I'm saying? Like the repercussions of somebody it's who the goes same thing though. Because you just in, you bet money on someone's picks. Really, they're just coin flipping. They don't have an edge. You bet money on it's it. It's the you addictive lose, quality of betting. But you lose a little bit. You buy this guy's gym package yeah. for five hundred dollars a month. That's a bigger waste of money. Yeah, I you could you can argue that unexpected value. Unexpected value, but it's probably not leading to the same long term consequences for the people who go off the rails. Yeah, no, that's that's that because right. someone can log on and and see a falsified record from someone and start thinking. This, I mean, as dumb, like a lot of people that are listening to this are obviously nuanced betters and it sounds completely insane. And then I tell you that the best, like my best friend that I grew up with literally lost his shirt, just buying picks and betting those picks because he thought these people were experts to the point where he had to declare for bankruptcy, can no longer get a credit card, like literally went broke from betting, knowing one of his best friends, myself, who is like a nuanced better. And, you know, got sucked in, d down that road because there's like an addictive nature to it on top of it. Whereas I, I don't know that the repercussions are the same if you get scammed on like a hotel. Like you're just not going to go to that hotel again and you're going to do your due diligence the second time around. But when you're buying sports picks and you're losing and you're constantly being for, like force fed, no, this is, I'm going to win in the long run. You just got in on a bad streak and whatever. And you keep betting this stuff. And then, you, you know, you start, I got to make my money back. I got to do this. Like that doesn't happen in, in other industries. Yeah. That's just my, my no, two cents. Enough. Agree to disagree, but that I just feel like, and maybe it's more personal for me because I know so many um, people who've been affected by problem gaming. So my perspective might, might just be a little bit different. Oh, I definitely know a lot of scamming touts. Don't get me wrong. That are just selling picks and not, and have like 700,000 followers on Instagram and are selling picks, slinging picks. Making set well over Millions. seven fig, literally seven figs a month. Yeah, slinging picks, and um, yeah, it's obviously brutal, and they're they're scamming a lot of people. But I mean, it is what it is. There's nothing I could do about it. Uh, okay, up next, a couple betstamp questions on betstamp. What is a good CLV percentage to aim for? What percentage might indicate long term or sustained success? These ones are always challenging to answer. Because um, timing of the bets is also important as well. Because for one, like if you're betting openers, you're going to have way lower limits than somebody who's betting on game day. So your CLV is going to need to be much higher on those to have the same expected value of someone who can bet a lot larger on game day. The answer is you need enough CLV to overcome the big VIG that you're betting into. Um, that's the real answer, but um, it's not like 
apples to apples comparison. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, if I'm, I'll just give out some tangible numbers. Like if you're picking off stale lines from a, a stale book, like you're going to probably on bet stamp specifically, you're going to want at least like 2.3 to 2.5% CLV, uh, if not greater. If you are originating, um, it's it's also, Rob didn't really mention this, but it depends on the book as well. You know, bet stamp tracks the CLV against the book that you track the bet at. So if you track a bet at a square book and they don't move the line, um, then you're not going to get any CLV when in reality, you know, Penny or Chris may have moved that like a point or two, right? So uh, what I'd say is if you're tracking against Pinnacle, then um, we do actually include the VIG in there. So they typically have a lower hold. You're probably going to want, you know, still at least 2%. If you're getting like a 0.5% CLV on Betstamp, it's not enough to actually overcome the VIG long-term. Um, as mentioned though, it really does depend on like which book you're tracking it against because some of them don't move as much. We are rolling out a feature soon where you will be able to track um, your CLV against a specific book. So you could just set that to like, hey, um, what would my CLV have been against the Circa closing line? And then from that, you'll be able to actually get like a truer indicator. And then I can give out, uh, once we launch that feature, maybe target percentages per book for certain markets. That might be helpful. I'm happy to provide that. I don't mind promoting content um, from other sources if it's good content. And I will say like, Seven years ago, the concept of CLV was very foreign to me when I was betting and I started to learn about closing line value and Pinnacle actually has a ton of great articles for anyone who just wants to Google Pinnacle closing line value, uh, specifically the Pinnacle operator. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, Joseph Budakel. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think that's the guy's name. Anyways, could be out to lunch here. Regardless, I learned a lot from just Googling Pinnacle closing line value uh, and getting a lot of links from Pinnacle. Yes, Pinnacle is an operator. And I have said before, take that with a grain of salt. The articles are really well written though. And um, Pinnacle is not known for, you know, trying to pull one over your eyes, right? Fair enough. Next question. In Betstamp, you can look at ROI by sportsbook, which is an incredible feature. In your experience, are your profits wildly different between different sports books? I would guess that you could notice a difference between the market makers and the others, but are there other notable differences even within each group? I can take that one real quick. Yep. Absolutely. Your profit and your ROI specifically is going to be different drastically like within different bookmakers. Um, reality is this is going to be able to, if you are someone who is playing the market or even playing your own stuff that you're originating being able to know which sports books you're winning at and which sports books you're losing at is is like this was the most eye-opening thing for me when I was on my come up, when I was learning how to do this stuff. This was the most eye-opening thing for me was that I would always win at certain books and lose at certain books. And why was this the case? And what can I do to solve that? I'm telling you guys this, anyone who's listening to this is a free podcast, you can you can just track everything by sports book, see where you're winning, see where you're losing, and then don't play at the sports books that you're losing at. However, I'm very confident that no one here who's listening, who's not already doing that, is going to sw switch and doing that. So I don't even mind saying that, but it's the best free advice you will get. Do not bet at the sports book that you continually lose at. You're losing there for a reason. It's not dumb luck. You're not, oh, it's cursed. My account's cursed. No, it's not. That's there for a reason. You guys will understand it once you start tracking everything by book. If you don't track by book, you need to start tracking by sports book. When you do that, your, th your whole betting process is going to change. I guarantee it. 100% agree. This was a conversation we had with Michael Craig, who's a pro sports better, um, who we had on the podcast probably about half a year ago now, um, where he gave out the same advice and noticed that 
He was regularly losing at the same sports books and regularly winning at the same sports books. And you know that you have that information available to you. The only caveat I will add to what Johnny was saying, completely agree with that. Track your sports books, where you're winning, where you're losing. Just don't get hung up on small sample sizes either, right? Like if you bet 10 games at a sports book and you go three and seven, that's not something I would say, oh, you know, I'm done here because I can't win at, you know, Caesars because I went three and seven. Like wait to build up a longer sample, but you should also be able to see this in terms of closing line value too, right? Um, you you, sh- you shouldn't only be tracking your ROI as a metric. You want to track CLV as well. Yeah, and then last one for a pro tip for anyone on the come up is uh, you don't actually need to track it by sports book. If you're trying to do analysis, what is easier if you want to go one step further, track it by odd set. So if there is a sports book that offers the same odds as another sports book, that's essentially the same thing. You can combine those two together to get a better sample size. For example, if you're playing at Barstool and Bet Rivers, that's both a can be set. You can combine those into one. If you're also playing at Unibet, you combine that in there. And then now you track by odd set instead of by sports book. You now have an additional sample size you add in for free. It's a smart pro tip. That's a pro tip. Pro tip. That's a pro tip. What direction do you guys see Betstamp going in the next two to five years? Any major changes or plans in the works? You might as well read the next one as well because they're like the... What improvements to Betstamp do you hope will roll out in the next six months? Also, regarding the app, is there any way to delete a tag after you made it? I really should have got the answer to that beforehand. Delete a tag after you made it. Um, I don't know either. I'll get that. I'll get that answer <laughs> for you right now. I've never had this. Is two thirds of Betstamp's executive team, by the way. Six month plan. Hey, Julian. Two year plan, five year plan, and can we delete tags? Can you delete a tag after you made it in Betstamp? You can really tell the preparation that goes into these Q and A's. I oh, think we prepare well for these. I honestly, I just, I didn't see this question. We, we sort the questions Our usually sorted them and this was the last one. So I didn't get to them, but we should get, we should be able to get the, I don't remember this. seeing that, that the Josh question when I sort, maybe I did. And I just like, didn't even process it. I was really rattled this afternoon. I'm sorry to take this off the rails, but I was so rattled that Dave Roberts, you were, you were on a call or something. You didn't even see this happen. Clayton Kershaw had a perfect game going through seven innings, hit his 80 pitch count. They put Dave Roberts pulled them. Perfect game. There's been 23 perfect games in the history of baseball. Now I get it that they didn't have the spring training this year. You know he has he's had Tommy John surgery before. How do you pull a pitcher? Seven innings, perfect game, 80 pitches. So I was actually like sorting through these questions while I was watching that happen. I, I was actually legitimately rattled. This is also right after we just looked at Leafs playoff ticket prices and you were also rattled by that. Which we have, which, le- which we have we since have learned was a facade. It was a facade. Yes. I went into a very, uh, what, I don't know. I want, I want to say irate. Okay, whoever asked this question, I'm actually shocked. I can't believe this. Yes, you could definitely delete a tag. And it's very simple. You just go and click the X on the tag and then it's gone. <laughs> But no, that's not, it's not a fence. Sometimes a little hard. No, 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 no. But I mean, the fact that neither of us knew that on top of it is, I I don't, I've never like, is it intuitive though? Yeah. yeah, It's just easy. It's like you go edit the bet and then delete the tag. I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering on our end, if it, we need like a, a redesign to make it more intuitive. 
No, we should be okay. And now that's okay. answered here. Thank um, you. Kershaw, man, that sucks. Like, there's not, there hasn't been a lot of perfect games in MLB, MLB history. 23. There's been 23. Like, he's thrown a no-hitter before. I get it. So it was through seven. Two innings left. Correct. So six more. Now, now, six up, six down. He's got a perfect game. Correct. Now, all these pitchers are at the 80 pitch count. Like, everyone in the league, because of the short spring training, they don't want to push him more than 80. So... I think that there's like, okay, past 80 pitches, it's going to increase his likelihood that he's going to blow out his arm again. What's the percentage increase? It's probably pretty low. I think you should give the player the option for one. But on top of it, if you're the, like, if yeah, I'm Dave if Roberts. I'm, if I'm Kershaw, I, I would sacrifice two months of being on the, on the DL. Well, it could be the entire year. Though. I would sacrifice the year for a perfect game. So I, I think any pitcher would. I, I don't know that for sure, but I do think any pitcher would to be on that list of history. Now, if you're Dave Roberts, you're the manager of the Dodgers. Just go up to Kershaw and be like, listen, buddy, I'm pulling you at 100 pitches, no matter what. That's the count. I'm going to give you the chance to do this. 100 pitches, you're coming out. Now, you'd never actually pull him at 100 pitches if he's going. But you got to make the guy throw strikes, less pitches. Hit, walk, take the guy out of the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's that's w- tough to get pulled at, at, at the uh, AD pitch count. Because like Kershaw's definitely had games where he's throwing like upwards of 120. So yeah. it's like he could have got a perfect game here. But who knows? Maybe he comes out for the eighth, just gets it, allows a hit right away. Who knows? Yes. Now we have to talk about bet stamps, six month, two year, five, five year, year plan. Plans. I maybe maybe we might as well get into a twenty year plan, fifty year plan. Yeah, and Rob's retirement plan. <laughs> so Here's what I'll say. Um, you know, we're not going to talk too much about like the, the far out future, but for BetStamp in the short term, you know, what we really want to do as a company, the biggest thing we can do is we know using multiple sports books is the answer and is the way, you know, to have, have more fun betting sports, make more money betting sports. I really enjoy it for what it is, which is probably the best hobby in the world, at least in my opinion. And uh, it's just so hard to do that right now. So we're basically working on ways every day where we can make it easier for you guys and for us and for betters all across Canada and the United States to leverage multiple books and manage them with ease. A bunch of tools coming that will hopefully make that easier. In the very short term, we already hinted it earlier in the episode, we are going to be launching you know, more of a props and uh, game props comparison tool uh, in addition to our full game and first half comparison tool that we kind of have right now. So, you know, if you want to find the best odds on Scotty Barnes to get a double double, that'll be one click now and you can search every single book available in Canada, the United States, and you'll be able to find those the best odds there and click directly through that. So um, I think we're looking at that. And then, you know, we are really hoping to get a redesigned accounting feature, something that I think is super important that a lot of people uh, need right now is the ability to actually like have a spot to manage all of their different sports book balances, where they're depositing, where they're withdrawing, which accounts are verified, how they can get the money out and in. Um, so that's something that we're also looking to tackle in more than a few ways in the upcoming future. So those are, you know, probably the main things that are going to be launching over the next couple of months. We did just roll out golf for anyone who is uh, a little bit more new to the pod or hasn't, uh, doesn't use bet stamp. So you can track golf matchups, and uh, we also have golf futures. So, you know, if you if you wanted outright master's odds, you're able to go on BetStamp and check, you know, every single book within Canada and the U.S. And that will now transition over to the rest of the sports as well. So you got the NBA playoffs in full swing right now. And for NHL playoffs, you know, when you not, you want to dunk some money, like you're talking about dunking some money on the Leafs to win the cup. <laughs> and you're just... Did you say stri- dunk, dunk or donk? Dunk. Like if you want to just straight waste money on the Leafs winning the cup... Then at the very minimum, what you should be doing there is getting the best odds. If you're going to put any money on that, get the best odds for, for like, please, please. 
The so, other day we saw Raptors, uh, Raptors to win the NBA title on on just as an example, one book it was uh, plus four thousand, and on on another book plus eight thousand. Yeah, insane. By the way, if you're betting a long shot, like you have to odd shop. Like a lot of people, even like buddies of mine, are like, oh yeah, I'll toss a hundred bucks on the Raps to win to win the NBA to win the chip, as they said actually to me. But they said I'll, I'll toss a hundred on the Raps to win the chip, as uh, Drake would say as well. You're getting four thousand return. If you just bet it at another sports, we're getting 8,000 return. Like it's literally double your bet, $4,000. If you put it in terms like that, no one is placing the bet at 40 to one. They're placing at 80 to one. Same thing with like Leafs, Raps, Jays, anywhere. Obviously we're talking Toronto specific, but if you're going to bet a big outright, like any of the big dogs, you have to odd shop. You're going to, it's, it's literally such a big difference in terms of the money you'll win in terms of the percentage it's very similar, but the money you can win is like, it's, it's actually mind blowing how much you, you would actually save if you just line shopped and then that one time you do hit like when the Leafs hit win the cup they will eventually win the cup when they hit that like you got to be able to get the best odds gonna be like probably for a hundred dollar better I'll probably be like a five to six hundred dollar difference in some scenarios which which will make up for the six years prior that you dunked away a hundred I will say too there's like the the opposite side of things which is affects like w- way less betters do this way fewer betters do this I should speak English on, the, on this podcast. Way fewer betters do this, but uh, a lot of people will do to win amounts as well, right? So some people will say, oh, if the Leafs win the, the the Stanley Cup, I want to win 2,000 bucks, and they'll risk a certain amount to win 2,000. So by odd shopping as well, you're now risking less to achieve that. So if they do lose, you're actually losing less. Obviously, we want the scenario where we win, but obviously losing less as well is not a bad thing necessarily. Yeah, like there's a, there is a, a high amount of people I know that bet whether it be a hundred or five hundred or a thousand bucks on the Leafs to win the cup every single year, now, and now they're all living on the streets. Well, they li- they need listen, to move like, into the bet stamp house. Like they lost it all. They lost. They've lost it. Like don't get me wrong. They've lost. You know, 20, 50 years in a row potentially for some people. You know, you've lost fifty years in a row. Are you talking that, about your dad or something? That, no, my dad doesn't bet. Okay. The one year where they do win the cup. You got to make all of that back. You got to be able to line shop and make that back. Like, do not be betting the Leafs right now at like plus 700 to win the cup when you can get them like 500 points higher. Agreed. Is that it for the questions? That is it for the questions. Um, how how long are we at right it now? Do, it doesn't matter. We're, yeah. going, we're going to the next segment. Are we going to the next segment? Oh, yeah. We're going to save it for next week. No, no, no. We're, we're doing it. We're doing it. I don't know what we're yelling about. I've never seen you mad. I get peeved. Why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? It's only game. It's only game. Why you have to be mad? It's Edmonton. It's a minus 37, minus 38. It's the winter months. I love that one. All right. Uh, I think we got six this time. Most of them are mine, Johnny. So you'll be probably seeing a lot I, of these. I ones. submitted two, I think, if they made it in here. Um, one was a long one. A lot of screenshots. Did that make it in? Notepad? Mm, oh, I know which one you're okay, talking about. Well, save that. Save. No, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> oh, man. You know why? Because I search I search by the our, our group chats by tweets. And well, I probably put the ha- the proper hashtag. I don't know what you did. That, that's my bad. No, no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, on, okay. it's on me. It's I, that good. was a good one, All right, too. We can still talk about it. All right. All right let's, let's kick it off. Yeah. All right. Numero uno. Oh, I love this one. By the way, I love the handle, especially Big Dicks Picks. <laughs> <laughs> At Big Dicks Picks on Twitter, MLB prop betting is easy. Just bet Vladdy Jr. to get at least one RBI. He's gotten one in every game so far, and everyone has been plus money for him. 
Okay. It was like probably two games in. There's literally three games. It was the first homestand, which was, by the way, Texas Rangers pitching. Very different from what it's going to be. Now, I can't get over the handle. Sorry, I'm still laughing a little bit. But, but this is very much a definition of like a trend without accounting for price, period. Um, this is like under the assumption that, okay, he's plus money every game. He's going to get an RBI in at least half the games or whatever. I'm going to keep betting it or he's going to keep getting RBI because he's just gotten RBI previously. These are very, very bad ways to handicap not only props, but anything. Um, a lot of people say the trend is your friend. It really is not in a lot of cases. So what I would encourage anyone to do if they are going to bet props is always try to put a probability on something and then compare it to the line being offered. Or you could put a probability on, on something by just looking at another sports book that's taking more money on the prop or whatever. Um, but regardless, don't just assume that something that's happened literally three times in a row is going to happen going forwards. And then on top of it, don't assume that you're always going to get the same price either. Yeah. It's going to be different based on the game total and the position he's in, in the lineup and all that stuff. But, um, MLB prop betting, not that easy, actually it's, it's, you could beat it for sure, but it's not like the easiest thing in the world. Definitely. That's not going to be a winning strategy, uh, over, you know, a multiple season sample size, just picking one player. Yes. If Vlad has a good year, probably would win that. However, if he's mashing RBIs, he's not going to be plus money every game. If it, if he really is mashing RBIs that much. So yeah, I agreed. Um, Sorry about that, uh, cap, cap and dad. Cap and dad. What a handle, though. What a handle. You right. and you also know that there's somebody out there with big dicks picks with an S at the end, though, because he made it. <laughs> he made his handle with a Z at the end. Yeah, so yeah. it's like he tried the S and it was already taken for sure. All right, number two. <laughs> All right, um, this is our friend Dom, who we was our first ever guest on uh, Circles Off. Uh, abbreviated interview. That's when we were back in the days of doing half the episode as interviews. Remember that? I know. I, we did that one from the remote setup, at least yeah, for me. Yeah, we did. Uh, Dom is, have been having a bad run of it with a lot of his teams blowing uh, four-goal leads, three four-goal leads in the span of nine days. Um, and he tweeted, the Leafs are doing their absolute best to make it so. Now, someone responds to this tweet, um, at Dom, Why'd you bet the Leafs, but why'd you bet on the Leafs playing a rookie goalie in the second half of a back-to-back going up against one of the best and highest scoring teams in the league in their own barn? That bet deserves to lose. There's two things I hate about this, okay? One is the timing of the wager, which is when Florida went ahead of Toronto in the game, but that's irrelevant to everything else. The second thing I hate about it is everything that's mentioned in this tweet is something that would be factored into the price, Dom's price. Like, it's not like yeah, any... Like the team is at home. They're at home. Why'd you bet him? Yeah, like, it, it's, no. not, it's nothing that is catching him off guard. It's not like, you know, if this was like, why'd you bet on the Leafs? They couldn't, you know, nobody knows this, but they were all out at a nightclub last night partying till four in the morning and the game was at 10 a.m. Okay, that's like some sort of information where I, I can understand why someone might say that. They're playing a rookie goalie. Yeah, that's known. Second half of a back-to-back. Yeah, absolutely. That's known. They're going up against one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, that's known. In their own barn, like it's an away game. All this stuff is known. So, I mean, 
it's a matter of perception, but obviously he bet on them because he thought there was value at the price that he got. And that's what the most important thing is in sports betting at the end of the day. So for one, don't chastise people for picks after the after the game is losing or the team that they bet on is losing. Like this tweet could have came out before the game started very easily considering the timing of both of them. But that's the first thing. The second thing is like, Bring up, if you're going to chastise somebody for for stuff, like bring up stuff that's not being accounted for in market or something that they may have possibly overlooked rather than a bunch of information that's already out there. Good with me. I mean, I, I agree 100%. <laughs> nothing, else to, nothing else to really add here. All right, number three. All right. Um, this one, Johnny gets frustrated by these. I like when including these. Kelly in Vegas, April 10th, tweets out four picks for the Masters. Um, round four, they're all big favorites, including John Rahm minus 230 over Tiger. One of the responses from Travis Britko says, that's not value laying 200 to win 100, LOL. No wonder your picks suck. <laughs> First off, it's 230 to win 100. Yeah, I mean. But fair enough, we get it. Value. Yeah, I mean, listen, Rom minus two thirty over Tiger. I, you know, I don't know what it ended up closing at. I don't know what the value on that actually was. I believe if it was or was. I believe it closed like minus three twenty five. So it probably was value in this scenario. But either way, that is no. You know, laying two hundred to win a hundred has zero impact. If you explain it to someone, if any of your buddies say this, and you're you're listening, any of your buddies say like, ah, there's no value in betting like minus a thousand. Just like. Offer them something where their odds should be minus a thousand and see if they bet it. See, offer, like, you know, what I mean, offer them, a, for example, like pick a number between, uh, you know, one and a hundred. And if I like if I get it, you know, you, you lay minus a thousand that I don't get it. That should be 10 to one. And yep. there's a hundred numbers You're like insane value right there. Right. So it's like, oh, there's there's such a good value on the minus a thousand. Right. In those scenarios, you can actually see it because it's a, you know, simple mathematics game and sports betting. It's just don't see it like. Oh, how could he be minus 200 over Tiger Woods? I don't know. It's probably above that probability. Right. So I like to use the dice example because a lot of my friends do this. No, lots of people that do this. They, we've talked about this many times. They like play, they, they, they pick a, well, they pick an arbitrary, people pick an arbitrary number. Like I'm not going to lay more than minus 160 on a baseball team. I'm not laying minus 200 on an NHL team. Um, or they just perceive the, that there's no value on betting favorites. Well, it's simple probability, right? Like if you offer someone a dice roll and say, you know, if you roll one, two, three, four, or five, you win. I'll give you minus 200 on that. They would, of course, take it every single time. And this is a very easy point to get across because you're 83% to win. You win on five of the six numbers. You only lose with a six. Who would not bet that at minus 200? Yeah. And FYI, it, it sucks to lose those bets. That's sure. why people are like this, but there is value. Of course. So, I mean, there could be value at any price is what I'm trying to get across here. Doesn't matter what the VIG is. I'm not suggesting you go out and bet everything that's minus 1,000 and parlay them all together, whatever. But if your probability is higher than what the bookmaker's probability is, there is perceived value there. Yeah. Period. I, I literally lost a bet on the Kansas City Chiefs second half versus the Bengals in that playoff game. In like in, I bet them live at the half and I lost it was like minus 700 and something and it lost. And after it lost, I was like, I fucking hate this. I'm never betting of minus 700 favorite ever again. 
And you, I know the feeling because it gets into that. You're like, oh my God, they were literally minus, I can't believe I laid minus 700 and it lost. Like it's such a bad feeling. But the reality is like there's value there and oh, sure enough, the next day, right back to the well. But it is what it is. I understand why people don't like laying big, big faves. Ask every under, uh, under, uh, ask every hockey underdog better this year, how their season is going and how much value they've gotten out of those plays. Just because they don't want to bet favorites in a historic a favorite uh, sorry a season where favorites are winning at a historic rate values value period that's the point i want to get across all right uh i got i got this tweet from uh aaron water show who said i spit out my coffee we'll play the clip here from tiktok uh what's the easiest sport to bet on What's the easiest sport to bet on? NBA regular season. Why regular season? It's like a pretty good baseline of how players are going to play each night. Like in the playoffs, dudes get up more for big games. They play harder on defense. But like you kind of know certain guys are going to go off on certain nights. I got to go with football. I think football yeah. is the easiest. I feel like I know the most about football. Right. I have more luck almost like NBA spreads and stuff like that. In football, you can totally like have an idea of how the game is going to be played. Yeah. It's more easier to like predict the pace of the game right. and like how it's going to go. There's also nothing better than betting football. Straight up. I actually have a pretty good time betting hockey. I've been live betting hockey totals, and I'm not going to lie. It's been the most fun way outside of football to bet. I keep betting on the Rangers, and here's what I do. When Igor Shosturkin is in net, I bet the Rangers. When Alexander Georgiev is in net, I bet the over. Foolproof plan. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm telling you. Okay. Now, to each their own in terms of the easiest sports to bet on. But so he, What are you criticizing? The whole part about the easiest sport or the last part? Everything about this video bothered me. Every overtime locks. Every piece of this video bothered me. Because first and foremost, okay, for the NBA regular season and NFL, massive limits, right? Like you couldn't pick like every single every single video of the easiest sport to bet on should be something like, I don't know, find me a sport that's got low limits. Like think of one. Oh, I mean, snooker. Yeah, exactly. Curling. Curling, right? Something like that. Like, those are the easiest sports to bet on, period. As soon as somebody ma- names, like, a major sport, there should be, like, a buzzer that plays with a horn right away that says, eh, because it's yeah, wrong. But not, but also, like, not the derivative markets of the, of the sport, like the actual main game. Correct. NBA regular, regular season, season spreads. FYI, the regular season is actually more variable than the playoffs. Is what he, he's, he's 100% wrong on this. Like... <laughs> The NBA, the NBA regular season, every day, there is at least one to five players that are, what am I saying, one to five? There's probably like one to 10 players ruled out per day on average that move the spread like a point or two. There was a, there was a stat the other day, how many players have played in every game this season? There's only four in the NBA. Who was it? Uh, I I don't know. Okay, we got we got to pull up. But yeah, like people get ruled out all the time. It's not like Paul George is out. Oh, Giannis is resting. Like that is the most variable thing you will happen. That does not happen in the playoffs. I mean, Golden State did rest Steph Curry uh, when they were up three nothing in the series. <laughs> Lost the game. Played him next. They won. I mean, that is just showboating because the NBA has not that much parity anymore. But like the the regular season is way 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 more variable in the playoffs. In the playoffs, you at least can get the starting lineups prior to the game with certainty you know that Giannis is not if he's injured he's not going to play but he's not going to ever rest so that alone is good and then second you actually get a more accurate representation of minutes because they're they're not on minutes counts and you know in some blowout games 
they might just like be like, okay, you know, even a team like Milwaukee is one of the best teams in the league. We'll be like, all right, we're down 20. All right, we're just going to give up in the third and let's, let's take a lot of the starters out, blow out minutes, give the bench guys some time. We don't care about this one win. Whereas in the playoffs, like you're down 20, uh, let's say it's two, two in the series. Like you're down 20 in the third quarter. Like your guys are in, you're still playing the game hard. It's actually easier to predict the playoffs. Well, I mean, in terms of usage, but in the regular season, he knows some guys are going to go off. He knows which guys. He said in the playoffs, some guys just go off, and that's what he can't predict. Like that's funny. And then also for the NFL (laughs) stuff, he knows football though. He knows that the game. It's easy to predict the game flow. Yeah, I mean, he knows. He knows. He knows football. As if nobody else in the world is watching football and knows football. As for the Rangers goalies, like Uh, when those guys are in, ruled in or out unsuspectedly, like he is right in a sense that like the line will move to that, but like that it's there for a reason. So. I don't want to even criticize that because if he was just doing that when like, let's say one a was supposed to start and then B was ruled in right away, he would actually have an edge if he just bet it at the previous number. However, I would go ahead and assume he's not betting it at right away in within one second. Exactly. And therefore he has at a negative EV play. That's sort of the point I was going to make on the last one is there's two goal. There's two goalie situations in the NHL, which are like, wait for confirmation and then you have basically like 20 seconds to react one is the rangers the other one's the lightning um but yeah you know if you're saying oh, okay if shesterkin starts i'm gonna bet the rangers if your starts i'm gonna bet the over as soon as that confirmation happens that number is moved like the information is known right the market is already reacting to that information so now if you're gonna go after the fact now listen I'll give this guy the benefit of the doubt and say he's not. But the reality is a lot of people out there will wait till the last minute. How many times do you hear this, right? Like this guy's in net. I'm betting the over. It's like, okay, that information was known three hours ago and the line already moved. Now that's not to say you're completely wrong, but you have to think that the market did not react enough to that goalie change. And no one ever says that. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I got Good. the players here, by the way. Okay. Mikhail Bridges on the Phoenix Suns. Kevin Looney on the Warriors. Denny Avdia on uh, the Wizards. Sadiq Bay on the Pistons. And Dwight Powell on Dallas. Also, oh, it's five. Five, five yeah. yeah. So those That's, are the only guys that play in every single game. That's pretty impressive. Absurd. Five players that have played every game. It's not... Uh, I mean, I, I understand it takes a toll Kevon on the body Looney's or whatever. center also. That's even yeah. more impressive. Yeah. Looney. Big right. man. Uh, do we have more? I think we have one more. more? Two yeah. more? Go ahead. Two more? All right. Uh, this one is a very popular one that went around. Um, let's just play Let's just play the uh, the audio of here. It's a, it's a little bit longer, and then we'll get to the commentary. Hi, fellas. If you're watching this video, you're probably in the sports betting. Something happened last night in the industry that you probably didn't catch, but lucky for you and unlucky for her, Detective Chuck was on the case. I'm about to show you what happened. This behind me, this is Taylor Mathis, otherwise known as T-Math Sports. She does content for Sportsbook, Superbook Sports. Now, whether you want to call her a handicapper, an entertainer, I don't care. Regardless, she's got 36,000 followers on Twitter, and she tweets out plays. And she did something last night that is a big no-no. It was during the national championship game. It honestly, it blew my mind. After touting UNC Moneyline all day, Moneyline, she goes ahead and tweets out at halftime, Loving that UNC money line I took right now, which is understandable. She's feeling herself. She's taking a little victory lap. They're up by 15. I mean, what can go wrong? And as we all know by now, Kansas comes back 
They win the national championship. My dude Remy Martin goes absolutely nuclear in the second half. But because that one bozo stepped out of bounds, Kansas did not cover. UNC covered. Very important. But so far, Taylor has done nothing wrong. All she did was take a victory lap, get made of a fool of herself, and probably wind up on old takes exposed. But whatever. Nothing wrong has happened so far. Until now, she comes back after the game, 12.25 a.m. She tweets, this is actually amazing because I thought I took UNC Moneyline. I actually took UNC plus four and a half. Gee golly, isn't that convenient? I mean, come on. How stupid do you think Detective Chuck is? Ridiculous. A man of the people steps in. His name's Frick Trades. And he says, obviously post receipts if you want anyone to believe you. But probably no one cares anyways. To which she replies, can't post bet slips when I work for a sports book. Sorry. I mean, it just feels like she's making up rules at this point. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. I just, at this point, I feel like I'm in the Wild West. And the worst thing, one thing you can never do is delete your L's when you're in sports betting. And that's what she does. She goes back. She deletes any and all tweets about UNC Moneyline, about correcting herself and putting UNC plus four and a half. It's all gone. Luckily, Detective Chuck, Sherlock Holmes, whatever you want to call me, got a few screenshots. So now we know. Detective Chuck, the man of the people. Chuck Goldberg. I love the backing track. In that video as well. Don't know what that was. It rivals I think it's our, a TikTok video. Well, uh, trend. It rivals our circles off uh, intro. Definitely. It, does this guy just make videos like this? Do you, do you know brain? anything about this guy, Zach? Okay, this obviously blew up uh, on my timeline for obvious reasons. Um, I will... This is not going to be a personal attack on Taylor Mathis or anything. Um, we also have a tweet from Chelsea Messenger who comes um, in and says she's not selling picks. Seems like there's better ways to use your time than to put people down. Literally could go through this entire, the entire tweet thread and the replies and a bunch of stuff that triggered me in general. This is 100% an absolute no-no. I don't care who you are. When you have that many followers, it's completely irresponsible for one. Um, but on top of it, it just bothers me. Because people will lose bets. I don't understand what the, the, the issue is with people losing bets. Like, why is it so hard to say, I lost a bet on this team that I liked beforehand? Like, even if I did actually bet UNC, if, the, if this was me personally, and I bet UNC four and a half instead of Moneyline, but I put it out there that I bet Moneyline, I would never ever, ever take a victory lap for the four and a half. Like, what do you possibly expect to come from that? I mean, there, there's nothing good that can possibly come from that. So listen, a lot of people think Chuck's video was over the top. I get it. I get why people might think that. No, it's a great video. I actually think it is a great video. It's, it's entertaining, gets to the bottom of everything. It was done in a manner that was not like derogatory in any way. Um, but... God, when I see stuff like that, it drives me insane. It's also another reason why, uh, I mean, I feel that Betstamp is very valuable. It's not to turn this into a Betstamp promo, but we can verify plays. Get people out there to use Betstamp because this stuff cannot happen on our platform and it literally happens on Twitter every day. And people who have 36,000 followers or more are doing it every single day and it goes unnoticed. So I do like that people are, are you know, bringing this to the forefront. And I, this Chelsea's response, um, again, nothing against anyone particularly here, but it goes back to what we were talking about earlier in this show about the free picks, right? Well, she's not selling picks. 
that doesn't matter. That doesn't allow you to be completely morally irresponsible just because you're not selling something. I mean, she's trying to grow her brand. Selling her personal brand. Exactly. To eventually sell something. I, I, even if she's, she's, she's grown her personal brand, which is fine, but like do it in a manner that's morally responsible. That's what I'll ethically responsible. So I, I think straight up on this, like that was a great video. Very entertaining. Um, like anyone who follows this girl again, nothing, nothing against her. I don't know. I never even heard of her before this. Like, how are you tailing those picks? Knowing that she, even if this is true, let's say for whatever reason, she actually was telling the truth. She, for, she actually bet the four and a half set of money line, took the Vic lap and then came back. She's like, Oh, I actually bet this. What a lucky day. <laughs> how are you following this girl's picks? She doesn't even know what she bet. Like, th- is that not a bigger red flag than any of the, the scamming stuff? It's like, how does she then go and be like, oh, whoops, I had the wrong bet. Like that would draw me more embarrassment to ever post that than anything. Like I'd be like, how would anyone, how would I expect anyone to follow my bets when I'm like, oh guys, I, you're not going to believe this. I miss hit the button. <laughs> I misclicked. I actually didn't have Milwaukee Bucks plus eight and a half. I had the other team minus eight and a half and they, and it cashed. Can you believe it? No, no chance. Uh, See ya. Do you, this, this girl's toast. Do you know anything about the sportsbook bet slips? Because honestly, like every barstool employee posts barstool bet slips. So uh, on that, I think most like let's be realistic. Like she didn't have a bet. Well, no. I, okay. I, Again, I hear you. Like, oh, I didn't couldn't post it because I work for a book. Like, you don't have a bet slip. Well, here's the thing I'm saying though. Like I've seen literally dozens of people who work for you books. Pull open her her thing as well. Pull like. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of recent, like Liv Moods recently posted a FanDuel bet slip and she's getting paid in some way by FanDuel. I don't know if she works directly for them or not, but, um, she has FanDuel in her Twitter profile. So like, I don't know, like, is it something specific to a super book? Um, like terms of, you know, their employee terms or whatever. I have no idea. I'm just speculating here. I would agree that I think it's if I if I had to set odds on there being a bet slip for this, it's got to be a hard minus two thousand. No, no value in minus two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I just I just pulled up her profile. Like she does content for Superbook USA, yeah. um, which was actually historically like a you know a more prestigious brand that's kind of just went like off the ra- off the rails right now with their marketing and like kind of are playing into the whole like. TikTok influencer stuff, maybe getting some traction, but I think it's probably damaging their brand as like a, a good reputable sports book. But on top of that, uh, what I will say is Superbook is available in Arizona. Taylor Mathis, Twitter bio, claims she's from Arizona. So it's possible she did bet it at Superbook and then was unable to post it. So let's, I, I don't even want to accuse now. And now I feel minus like 2000 possible, goes yes. down to minus 200. Line move no very value. quickly. No Knowing value. that information, had to move the line. I want to message this guy though. I got to look for his other. If he does videos like just like this, like this is his his shtick on TikTok, then I'll we'll have this guy on the pod. Just like gambling him. exposés. Like if he does that, I got to actually pull up in his profile and see. I'm not. Na- I'll be honest. You know me. Like I'm naturally drawn to the like the cl- clash of the heads. Yeah, like, you know. But it, it's it's he he makes like again the video itself nothing derogatory. He's only. Sp- He's only spitting facts, as they, as the kids would say. I don't know if you know if kids say that. I honestly have no idea. But he's spitting facts, and well done. 
And uh, I think it's important. Um, for, now, now they say no cap. No cap. I don't, I don't even know. I don't, you don't know what that is? I'm 35 years old. I don't... The only... The only... Like experiences I have on a daily... On a regular basis with people that are kids are in this office. Literally. It is what it is. Can someone explain it to me so I'm not out of the loop? No cap just means like no bull. No bullshit. No cap. All like, right. Or you could say like you're capping. Means like you're talking shit. I'm learning Stop new things cap. every day. I just want to learn. I just want to learn so I can fit in in Detective, my place of work. Detective Chuck, episode 53 of Circles Off. We welcome <laughs> Detective Chuck. I think it's, oh, oh, that would be, yeah, that's, I was like, I forgot about what the episodes were. Did we uh, have another clip? Do we yeah, have another I think one? we got one more. Uh, oh, yeah. This one is uh, uh, Joey. Oh, my favorite tweet, man. Joey Kanish 22. Um, Joey Kanish, veteran, uh, circles off podcast, veteran, friend uh, of the show, friend of the show, not a friend of, uh, fellow, his fellow neighbors in Detroit. Um, cause he doesn't pick up after his dog, but he tweets, this has to be the most absurd gambling moment in the history of the Bill Simmons podcast. As Joe house goes one and six in NBA regular season, win totals, he gave out on the pod preseason then says, I actually think I bet heavy on the opposite of those. Nice fucking pod to sponsor FanDuel Sportsbook. We're going to play the audio just so everyone can hear it. House is one and five with Orlando looming. So house, you're going to either be one and six or two and five. Not a strong performance by you, the critics are saying. I think I bet the opposite of what we did. I think we did that show and then talked through some stuff. And I'm like, and I bet heavy. On so on the other side, well, how sad? The- okay, this is literally absurd. Like, I can't, how does he say that I, on a show? I I I totally agree with you. Like, even if you did this, let's say for some reason, I don't know what you what the the reasons would be for you to go on a podcast, give out a bunch of picks, and then go somewhere else and bet the opposites. No, not just bet the opposite. Heavy, heavy. <laughs> he the, the, use the adjective. He, he bet heavy. I bet heavy on the opposite of whatever I gave up. So here, here's two scenarios of what happened. Number one is he went one and six, felt bad, didn't want to look like a loser, like didn't want to look like he lost his picks, and then just lied about it. That's scenario one, probably not likely. Scenario two, I actually believe he's telling the truth. This is even funnier. I hope he's telling the <laughs> truth because if he's telling the truth, then what happened is he came into the show. They asked him. You know, Bill Simmons asked him off the rip. He's like. We're going to need to give out some NBA win season totals, like NBA season win totals. Get get your top seven. He's like, okay, I'll get my top seven. Came in completely unprepared, did not know who he wanted to bet, gave out seven picks. They then at the end of the show, after they recorded the seven, Bill Simmons like, why do you like this pick? And he's like, you know what? I don't fucking know why I like this pick. This isn't even a good pick. Went back and was like, you know what? Actually, now that I look at this, I should pro- I know I gave out the under, but I should probably bet the un- the over. And then proceeds to say, I like the over a lot. I'm going to bet a heavy on these. And then switches mind. That's what I hope is true because that's even funnier if that, if that actually happened. And then they recap it and he's like, no, no, no. I'm up big on season win totals. And it's actually the ones I gave out on the show. But joke's on you. I bet the opposites. If you're going to bet the opposites, you should probably let your massive audience, because this is a really big podcast, know that that's your intent. 
like honestly just play it off as a joke and be like i'm so bad at picking nba this is who i like but i'm personally gonna actually bet the opposite side he didn't know he was betting the opposite until after he released the show even it has to be that if that's the case though then just don't ever talk about it ever never like why would you go you have to eat the one in six this is so absurd and people are like oh why are you so upset about this i will tell you why i'm upset about this because people would have listened to that people think like this doesn't happen it happens people will listen to those nba regular season win totals he gave out that joe house gave out listen to it on a podcast and they will bet it heavy they will say i'm i'm tailing what joe house is betting here make some good points i don't know if he made good points or not this happens all the time people don't know better there are too many people who have no freaking clue. So it's so irresponsible to come out after the fact and be like, I bet the opposite. Imagine imagine you bet these regular season win totals and then you're like, oh, you know, you, you even if you put a hundred bucks down on every one of them, you're down 550 at the end of the year because of the VIG. And now you listen to this podcast and this guy's like, oh, I bet heavy on the opposite. I would never listen again. Not only would I never listen again, I would send this guy like a dog turd in the mail. There's no chance. Like it is absurd. And on top of that, FanDuel to sponsor this, I get it. There's so much reach here. I completely get it. But my God, what a horrible look for a sports book to sponsor something like that. Yeah. Like imagine losing 550 bucks and then hearing that. How pissed you would just be. In general. If if I was a one hundred dollar better and I lost five hundred and fifty bucks, <laughs> which was tied up over the entire year, where probably I suffered looking at my account like every day, being like, Oh my god, this losing like that's a part of it on top of it. People don't realize that you play futures, you see those losers in your account the entire season, you know they're gonna lose, they already lost. It's even more infuriating on top of it. And then this guy is taking a victory lap at your expense, basically. Oh my God, I would have, I would literally have a heart attack. Uncle K, Joey Kanish, nice tweet. Uh, He was one of the most requested guests after we asked for a a couple guest requests. So uh, we might have to wait a bit. We've already had him on, but we can get on. Uncle K, once again, when when some of the pot needs to be stirred, we'll get him on again for sure. He has a lot of tweets that actually trigger me though as well, which we could get in. The problem is they're not really anything we can learn from or turn like a- <laughs> You just want to bash him. Yeah, that's and, I, and it's not really the goal, but like probably once a week, I, I see something from his account where I'm like- Rob, maybe we should just go through, pick them, and then on the episode, just confront him about each- Yeah, episode. he's got a lot of terrible takes. Like, listen, like you know- He's not a good person. I don't even know if he's a good better. He's entertaining, but he's got a lot of shitty takes. <laughs> like uh, we can almost do an entire episode on his bad takes. Sure, we can have him on, but I don't know if he, I don't know if he'll come on if we're just going to bash him. He would do it probably. Uh, we'll see. We're going to have to get him some more iced coffees or whatever. He drinks like 3 every time he's while well, he's only been on with. He's been on with us twice been on with us twice uh we also need i noticed uh this today i'll bring it up on air because i could bring it up off air as well but you said you said off the rip like a lot today we almost need like a, a counter every time it happens and me every time i say wholeheartedly i say wholehearted that's like the only way i wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with my whole heart 
I try. <laughs> I've tried so hard to limit it, but sometimes I listen back to episodes. I'm like, oh my god! Like, did I really say that again within like a five minute span? It is what it is. Do you think All I right. could go an entire episode? Maybe I didn't. Yeah, use- you probably didn't even use it this episode. Well, I used it now at the end. Friends, thank you very much for tuning in. This has been episode 52 of the Circles Off podcast. We will be back next week with some more. Thank you very much for tuning in.